Hi, I'm Samantha, a past guest on C-Jam's HandyLink. You're listening to HandyLink on C-Jam 99.1 FM, reaching high ground in Windsor, Detroit. Welcome to HandyLink, sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handicapable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor-Essex. For more information, check out ICHA on Facebook. I'm your host, Cam Wells. In this segment of our show, we'll hear from Martel Catalano from Beyond My Battle. So, what can you tell me about Beyond My Battle? So, Beyond My Battle is a nonprofit organization um, headquartered in upstate New York. We help both patients and caregivers reduce the stress of living with or caring for someone with any kind of illness or disability. Um, our primary focus is providing educational resources and support services that, um, like I said, help patients and caregivers reduce stress. And we use a uh, framework or a philosophy that's really rooted in mindfulness and compassion to help people do this. So how do you go about reaching out to the affected community? A lot of our outreach is online. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will have noticed themselves that there's a lot of people living with chronic illnesses, living with disabilities, who are spending time in the virtual world um, somewhat by choice, but somewhat because that's what is available to them, perhaps with limited mobility, limited energy. Um, that they may have limited time, limited resources. So there's a really strong community of uh, people living with illnesses and disabilities, um, and of course their caregivers too. You know, online um, we we exist primarily as a as a virtual uh, organization, and as such, um, people will come to our support groups. People will find our website and the resources that live there. Um, we hear a lot of people finding them through, through social media, through Google searches, um, through word of mouth. Um, you know, another thing that happens a lot is therapists will be working with someone and then they'll do their own research and find out about us and refer us to their, their, their therapy patients. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit diverse, but I would say that the bulk of, what happens, uh, why people find us, the, the outreach that we conduct is, is in the digital realm. So, can you take me through some of the specific programs and services you offer to help ease things for 
family members and friends of those who are living with a disability or chronic illness? Yeah, certainly. So we have a variety of resources on our website. One place that we tell people to often start if this is all really new to them is uh, we have something called our emotional e-toolkit. And it's a series of five tools that really guide you through different stress management practices, specifically tailored to patients and caregivers. So you know, for instance, one of those tools is meditation, one of them is nature, one of them is um, movement, we have other ones, and one of them is actually even relationship, which we consider to be the most poignant and important tool when it comes to managing managing stress. So um, we, we provide things like this, this toolkit, we provide ebooks that kind of are a deeper dive into uh, caregiving or managing illness, disability, we're actually just about to soon release another couple of ebooks addressing topics that we've been told are of greatest concern. Um, the two topics being grief and um, you know grieving not necessarily a person, but grieving um, an imagined life or grieving the, your pre the life before your illness or disability, um, and also stigma and ableism. So man mindfully managing and addressing stigma. And ableism. Um, we're releasing some new new ebooks like those, um, and more custom experiences that we provide that are that we're you know surely uh, refining right now are where we will work with other organizations. So we'll come in as a consultant to other orgs or as a presenter at other orgs or businesses to do a, for instance, a workshop series on. Uh, stress management for patients, stress management for caregivers, and that's specifically, um, you know, I would say specifically crafted, curated for whatever rare disease that group serves or whatever, you know, condition that group serves because we recognize that that's where a lot of people still go right after a diagnosis. They still go to their rare disease group or their disability group, and um, we provide those organizations with um, education, supportive yet educational experiences around this topic. So, um, so yeah, and that's just a kind of a recap. We do have some other things like we have a podcast, the Unfixed Podcast, right now that's available online that serves as a resource. Um, we run weekly support groups, so we have a support group every Tuesday for caregivers. Um, we have a support group every Thursday online for patients and then we have something that we call creative meetups that happen every month we have a creative meetup for um for creative writing to kind of get into accessing what's going on inside becoming a little bit more vulnerable which is a good thing <laughs> you know sharing expression um getting creative we know how helpful that is for a lot of our people are really into writing um, and then we have another one of these meetups um, uh, for watercolor. Um, we just really feel that watercolor painting is, you know, uh, it's a great metaphor in my mind. It's it's very loose and it seems a little like, you know, fluid and has a mind of its own, kind of like our minds. And it's a great practice for really releasing your grip on control and expectation and just letting things kind of be. So it's a real therapeutic meetup that we provide. And 
that's kind of an overall recap. Um, of course, I could go into depth with each and every one of those, but yeah. So, I'm curious, uh, things like the writing and the watercolors, that would seem to alleviate some of the mental health strain on uh, patients, families, and caregivers, uh, which could inevitably lead to their own health problems. So right. That sounds like a great practice, great way to keep them uh, sort of centered. So, in your time with Beyond My Battle, has there been any success story that stands out for you? That's a great question. Um, to me, what stands out the most are the people who come to our patient support group every week. Um, I often participate in this group myself because, um, well, I'm a patient. I'm a patient myself, and I, I like to be a part of this group just to get to know the people who are a part of our community and using our resources. Um, but I've seen real incredible transformation and and positive, you know, like testimonials come out of that group. Uh, people who come, you know, every week that they can. You know, sometimes it's every week. Sometimes, of course, people this week. But the regulars, so to speak, who attend this virtual support group have just shared that, um, especially during COVID. But you know, I think even coming out of COVID, where there's a lot of uncertainty and you know, the reality is for people with chronic illnesses and disabilities, life in general is really uncertain. This unpredictability that everyone experienced from COVID is just the day in the life of a lot of people. So um, the people who are in this group are just so bonded now. They're so, they're friends outside of this support group. They support each other independently of the support group, you know, by calling each other on the phone or texting each other. And they just you know, some of them have called it a lifeline. Some of them have said, you know, this is their, uh, this, 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 in addition to their therapy, you know, is what keeps them alive and, um, and feeling like they're heard and feeling like they're understood. So I couldn't say it's like one person's story, although I, I do have certainly like individual stories um, but it's really just the, the people, the regulars that come to that group who, who every time I am in that group blow me away by how much they have gained from the, the offering and from how much they now, um, you know, extend that to others. You know, I saw a quote earlier today that was uh, something along the lines of, you know, it takes nothing out of a candle to share its light. And I just imagine this group in that way where, you know, we, we spread the light of the candle to them and it doesn't extinguish your light to keep sharing it to other and additional people. And, um, I just, I just really believe that that group is a great representation of our mission and of our vision. Like to thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. This segment of our show, we'll hear from Nicole Danio. She'll be telling us a little bit about recent happenings with her yoga program. So, you just wrapped up another session with the ICHA yoga program. Can you tell me about some of the highlights? Okay, awesome. And thank you, Cam, as always, for having me on. And I'd love to just take a moment to thank the ICHA for taking a chance on the virtual program, and particularly to Christina, who every week set up the Zoom and the, uh, the virtual 
platform. I'm just so grateful. I also want to just thank everybody who participated and the parents who set up all the stuff that was needed. I, everybody was just so dedicated to it. We had a steady group every week and I'm just so grateful. So I just want to really express that to everybody. And um, yes, it was a, it was a very fun time. I looked forward to those classes every week. It was very interactive. I, of course, had my video and audio on. I was sort of pinned and highlighted on the screen so people could see me well. And I could see and check in with everybody else. I could hear them. I could see what they were doing. I could see how everything was going. And we had so much fun. So uh, I think one of the things that, yeah, go ahead. So I'm just wondering, uh, did you find it as effective being able to just see and direct as it would be... Uh in a face-to-face -face setting? I mean, were the students still able to learn the techniques? I strongly believe so. I'm very demonstrative with my own, uh, you know, demonstrating and showing them how to do it. And then I check in and I give them lots of variations. I bring out chairs and pillows and blankets and I show them how they can use a wall and even you know a partner a friend a parent somebody who they can you know use for support with some of the balanced poses so I do feel like they got a really good visual of practice and of course then as I could watch them I could teach them ways to just make it a little bit stronger, a little bit more correct, maybe in the alignment of their knees type of thing, giving them little things to show them. And actually doing in their own home, I believe, was really helpful so they could learn right there in their own you know, bedroom or living room how they could use their, their bed to prop their feet up on or their desk to lean on if they needed a little bit of support. I think it was kind of a, a cool experience to do it in their home. And what I'm hoping is that now that they've had a taste of practicing yoga at home in their own room, now they may be a little bit more inclined to do it even in these months when we're apart before the next season starts. So, you know, kind of doing it in your own home, you get into a little bit of a, a little habit and it feels more comfortable. So I think there was really nice aspects of doing it virtually and in home. So for you as a teacher, I imagine there was a bit of a learning curve adapting to uh, the technology and making sure that everything uh, went seamlessly. Definitely. Definitely. I, I've definitely learned new skills this past, you know, since March of 2020, all of my classes have been virtual. So that's through the university, through Maryvale, through John McGivney, Community Living, the Greater Essex County District School Board, all of them have had me doing virtual programs. And I've never been a computer techie before and I feel like I've got a comfort and an ease and I'm sure the students learned a lot of skills too with you know getting onto that and um, just being a little bit more computer savvy. So that's one of the key benefits for persons with disabilities. Uh, this whole thing has allowed people to experience things through technology they might never have had a chance to do before. So think your yoga program is actually a great example of uh, being able to try something new. 
but in the midst of all this. I absolutely agree. And, and I know that on those days, you know, in the winter, it, when I used to have sessions, you know, in my office in the Jackson Park Health Center, I remember my students coming in all bundled up in their wheelchairs and, you know, driving in the ice and the snow. And I know that for, for many of my students, the virtual option was a really nice, helpful tool because they got to stay in their own home. They didn't need to get bundled up. They didn't need to drive in the snow. So I think there was that benefit of it too, just being in your warm, comfortable home. So what were some of the greatest successes from doing this virtually in the past month? Is there a moment that stands out for you? Well, I mean, honestly, I think that the ability for us all to stay connected and to see each other and check in and hear the giggles and hear everybody saying hello to each other and watching them catch up. There was always a few minutes before we started where they would have a chance to catch up. And I think that that alone was extremely healthy for all of us just to have that connection. Uh, But in terms of the practice itself, I think that the success of it was that everybody got a chance to learn how to do it in their own comfortable home. I've always, as a teacher, wanted to give people the skills and the ideas, the techniques, so that they could take it from my class and then go and make it a habit and a daily practice at their own home. And that's a hard transition to make. You know, you're used to doing it in a class. Sometimes the class is where you do your exercise. And so to get into that habit of doing it at home, I think, is a tremendous success. And in the midst of all this, uh, the mental health benefits would seem to be fairly significant in that uh, a lot of people were feeling that sense of isolation. When you mentioned the connection they were able to make before class and even just by communicating, getting a little guidance on the techniques, I'd imagine that that uh, eased some of the anxiety of the past year. 100%, and it was so helpful for me as well. I've got some classes I teach, you know, um, the university classes, for example. I don't often even see or hear the students who are participating. I'm teaching, but they don't often let me see what they're doing, you know, whereas with ICHA and some of my other classes, you know, with community living and my private students where I actually got to see them, it helped me with my mental health as well. I felt like I I was really seeing and connecting with them as opposed to just teaching to a screen. So I've been so grateful that they allowed me into their homes, that they allowed me to see them and and hear them through the practice. It was a real treat every week to plug into that class. I'd like to thank you for taking time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. Absolutely, Cam, and if I can just throw it out there, uh, the website for me and my classes is cocoyoga.ca if anybody's interested in learning about modified and assisted yoga techniques that I've been developing. That would be great. Thank you so much, as always, Cam. My pleasure. Handy Link will be right back after these commercial messages, so stay tuned. Keep yourself safe and protected from COVID-19. The best way to prevent illness is to avoid being exposed to the virus. So here are a few easy tips. 
Wash your hands often with soap and water or an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. Avoid close contact with people who are ill. Self-isolate and stay home when you are ill. Practice physical distancing by staying two meters away from the nearest person. Wear a mask when physical distancing is not possible. Clean and disinfect objects and surfaces that are frequently touched, and avoid sharing personal household items like cups and towels. CJMFM wishes everyone a happy and healthy year. Welcome back to HandyLink, sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handicapable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor, Essex. I'm your host, Cam Wells. Earlier in our show, we heard from Martel Catalano from Beyond My Battle, and Nicole Daigneau told us a little bit about the latest happenings with her adaptive yoga programs. In this segment of our show, Jennifer Wagoner will be telling us a little bit about Seattle Adaptive Sports. So, can you tell me a little bit about your work with SAS? Yeah, so Seattle Adaptive Sports, um, or SAS, was started in um, 1991 with a focus on adaptive track and field and swimming programs that was an extension of the Spina Bifida Association and just sort of organically grew based on the needs of, of athletes and interests that they were indicating that they wanted to try various sports. So a basketball program was added and established eight years later. And then um, there was a women's team for basketball that was added, then sled hockey, power soccer, and just as of 2020, the most recent sport that was added was uh, goalball, goalball for the uh, visually impaired. So it's um, it's an organization that's volunteer run um, as a nonprofit, and um, I personally became involved about seven years ago, and am now the. Um, the, the president of the board of Seattle Adaptive Sports and also uh, an athlete participant um, and have served as team manager as well. So it's it's an organization that uh, has, for me, personally affected me um, in a lot of positive ways and is, is something that I'm excited to be to be a part of and continue to watch it, watch it grow. So if you're comfortable sharing a little bit about your own story of being an athlete and getting involved... Uh, Love to hear it. Yeah, I uh, was I was diagnosed with transverse myelitis. So, and this is it's just going on about eight years. Um, so, I was essentially doing doing a puzzle with my daughter, and my legs felt tingly and weird. And within two hours, was was paralyzed uh, sort of from T four down, um, and did engage in some heavy physical therapy, and was able to regain a bit of mobility, but rely on wheelchair 100% as my method of, uh, of moving around. Um, so that's that's kind of my story and how I got started. It was actually a physical therapist of mine at the time that was really encouraging me to get involved with team sports. Um, it Being a part of team sports is something that as an able-bodied person I was really actively involved with, but sort of had a mental block in terms of being willing to, to try sport from um, uh, with as, as a wheelchair athlete and 
um, I was really happy to have had that push that he, it actually kind of became obnoxious. I think he asked me 12 times before I finally said, yeah, sure, whatever it takes to get you to stop asking me about this, I'll try it. Um, but really kind of fell in love with the, the team aspect. It's, it's really just a, a tight um, family and community that, um, that really support and lift each other up and um, enjoy being competitive but also, uh, yeah, on and off the court, having a great kind of community relationship. So in terms of uh, your participation, what sports have you uh, joined up with, with Seattle Adaptive? So I've, I've tried as many as I've been able to. So uh, primarily basketball is my, is my primary sport, and I play on, there's various levels and teams, so I do play on the, the women's uh, Seattle Storm as well as the Division Three, uh, which is a development um, level, and, and that is a co-ed team. Um, but I've also tried sled hockey. Can't say I felt like I was very successful with that one, but it was a lot of fun to try. <laughs> and, um, and also do participate in tennis as well. So, so basketball and tennis are kind of my primary, primary sports. So for wheelchair tennis, do you use any modified equipment? Uh, so it's the same. I'm able to use the same chair as for basketball and um, and tennis, and it's it's yeah, sports chair that that I can use for both. So uh, do the rules vary from the able-bodied equivalent of uh, of tennis for those who might not be as familiar. They do. They do vary um, only in in tennis. Uh, the only difference is that wheelchair tennis players get uh, two bounces before they have to return the ball. But every other rule is identical, which is which is actually a lot of fun because it means playing. Um, you can play against able-bodied folks pretty easily as well. So there are tournaments where it's um, able-bodied and wheelchair tennis, uh, as well as just wheelchair tennis together. But but that is. Uh, Unique just to tennis, and that that is the only only difference in the rules. The court size is the same, the serve lines, everything else is exactly the same. So, in your time with adaptive sport, is there any success story that stands out for you, either for yourself or uh, someone you've been able to uh, support through the organization? Say, I mean, so successes within. Um, the organization have really been on um, reaching as many athletes as we possibly can and, and adding additional sports, but also uh, serving youth, juniors, and really watching them um, just flourish through sport, and many of which are able to get uh, scholarships and, and play at a collegiate level. Um, so as we're as we're, you know, growing, growing these programs, reaching out to to the youth and to the high school s- students and things, and trying to really build them up has been really rewarding and a huge success to see that almost every one of our athletes that participates that's um, that's going off to college is able to participate um, in, in through opportunities that they've been granted, and so that is really a huge um, part of our focus at Seattle Adaptive Sports is is, you know, serving athletes at all levels, but um, really trying to encourage encourage youth to, to participate and be active and, and identifying for them some of the opportunities that they can have at a, at a college level. So 
If you could send any message to all the athletes out there might be wondering, uh, with an acquired disability, whether they can still be a part of sport, what would you say? I would say that everyone should try it, whether you have been an athlete in the past or it's something you've thought about or you, you aren't incredibly confident about it. Um, I would say in, in any case, give it a try. Um, I was, as I had mentioned, I was very apprehensive about, about trying this. I felt really intimidated and I was not um, not highly confident that, that uh, wheelchair sport is something that that I would be um, that I would be very comfortable with, to be honest. And uh, every every athlete that was that was there was incredibly, and coaches and volunteers and everyone there is is incredibly supportive. And um, it essentially that's what got me to keep coming back. Is that this was a, a community of people who all said, "Look, we've we've been there. We've all started where you're starting now, and you can choose to." make this recreational and get a good workout in, or you could choose to be pretty competitive. Um, and I think that there's a place for, for everyone um, in, some, in some type of sport, whether that is you know, track and field, swimming, it, it, it really, there's a lot of opportunities available. And I'd like to thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. My friends, I'm always amazed when I hear of the strength and the precision that goes into disability sport. Things like wheelchair tennis being the perfect example. People with disabilities who play still put on a great show. It's just a question of society's recognition. We are making great strides in that arena. There's still a ways to go. This has been HandyLink. I'm your host, Cam Wells, reminding you we're all equal. So get on out there and have yourselves a good one. Something tells me you've earned it, folks. We'll see you next week.